This is the Heath in Pursuit podcast with Heath Hollandsby. Each week we'll have a conversation with various folks who are actively engaged in the pursuit of truth. This is a show where anything can be discussed and probably will. A podcast for the seekers, the dreamers, the restless, the hurt and the broken. This is a podcast for you. Welcome to Heath in Pursuit. Hello and welcome to another edition of Heath in Pursuit. I am Heath Hollinsby and this is episode number 25 and I'm calling it I Needed to Kiss Some Frogs because I like a good title and that's a fun title. Before we jump in, let's talk about a review that came in from Plays with Fire who says, Heath's search for what's true and lovely has been rolling around in his heart since we met. The hints of devastation that this life and what the Bible points to are like a rogue line of code that causes a jitter to a preferred programming. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, uh, Plays with Fire. I am, um, you know, I tried to share about the devastation of my life, and I tried to share some lessons I've learned in hopes that it'll, uh, it'll please the ears of those listening. And so that's kind of what I'm giving my life to, and to making spirituality beautiful and uh, interesting to people. And so if you haven't yet left a review, please do. It just takes a minute. And I don't know, it gets me excited when I get an email that there's a new review. And it also helps get this um, podcast have some authority on the iTunes store and on Spotify and all that. So if you would just take a second, I do this for free. Please just pay me back by just leaving a little 30 second review with five stars and letting Apple know that you like me. And It'll make me feel good. It'll make Apple go, he's a good guy. Give him some more airtime and put him in front of people that have never heard of him. And that would be really meaningful to me. So, um, Also, we'll talk about job stuff here in a few minutes. And uh, what I'm currently doing, or what I should just be honest about and say, hey, here's what I'm currently selling. Uh, I need a job. And so I'm touring again. And as uh, COVID is starting to, I mean, it's not taking a back seat. It's just less wavelength on the news stations it's still killing as many people as it always has which is unfortunate but they're figuring out like hey with vaccines and masks we can actually gather again and so with people gathering i'm a party animal and the extrovert in me says i want to party with you and i've got this really killer show called our playful universe that i've been touring and it's about 60 minutes long and i talk about wild stuff that'll blow your mind we start with the universe and then we go to the subatomic world and we talk about uh, who you are and why you matter and who you are is not who you are and who people think you are is not at all who you are or who they think you are. And it talks about how the Age of Enlightenment has hurt us and, oh, yeah, how science isn't real. Ooh, what? Yep, I'm going there and this great show. And uh, I want to come to hang out with you and your tribe. And so if that's a church, if that's a community club, if that's a theater, if that's a you know college campus, I want to come do this show for you and blow your mind and talk about it and answer some questions and learn from you as well. So if you're interested in booking me for that, if you go to heathhollandsby.com or heathandpursuit.com, either one of those will get you to me. And uh, yeah, I could use that right now. Okay. Sales pitch out of the way. Let's get into this episode. Um... Yeah, I needed to kiss some frogs. Here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you today about a bizarre and life-changing encounter that I had this week. And I want to show you how people in power often 
almost always actually, I would argue, get to control the narrative. And then I'm going to show you how not to be held under the thumbs of these types of people. Because there are these types of people. And I'm sure that, um, that we know, you, you probably instantly thought about someone in your life, somebody in authority, doesn't just need to be a boss, it could be a leader, a pastor, a spiritual guide, a teacher. Yeah, somebody's ruling you wrong, and you know it, and it's grating on you, and we're going to talk about that. Um, but I do want to talk about this, uh, I needed to kiss some frogs, because this, this title came to me, I was watching a Marco Polo video that somebody I really care about sent to me this week. And um, in the video, she had just mentioned that I should have got permission before I started talking about this. So I'm just going to do it because no one knows who this is. Uh, just how in the youth of life, I needed to kiss some frogs. And I, that's, that's all she said. And yet I knew that that sentence conjured up a million thoughts in my mind. And I just thought this is exactly the title of this episode. And, um, you know, the, come, the story comes from the frog prince uh, the frog, because, you know, it's a prime candidate, because just like a butterfly, it's transformation. It's a story of transformation due to its natural transition from like a tadpole to a frog. So in this uh, this frog prince storytell that I remember as a kid, you have a spoiled princess who uh, reluctantly, but eventually befriends a frog prince. Who, and she met him after dropping a golden ball into a pond under, under a tree. Uh, and he retrieves it in her, or for her in exchange for her friendship. And the frog prince, most people don't know at this point in the story, is under a wicked fairy's spell. And um, the frog spell is broken when the princess uh, threw it and kissed him, and he turned into a uh, a prince. And so I just thought the, the allegory there of, yeah, something you think is there, something you know that there's a transformation happening in your life, and you know that you're moving towards something, and... Sometimes you just got to kiss a frog, and sometimes that frog is a frog, and you've just licked a bullfrog. But other times, that frog, yeah, it's something bigger. It's not what you think it is on the surface. There's something else going on. And, uh, and the reason that's fascinating to me, and it might be to you, is that I have a vision of what I thought could be freed but was under spell. And that vision was that I could be in business and make money and be a person of integrity and that I don't have to put my character or my faith to the side in order to make really good money. That I didn't have to go like, well, um, I live by the teachings of Jesus or I live by the teachings of Buddha or I live by the teachings of you know whoever it might be. And I'm gonna, I gotta make a sale here and I gotta lie to get this thing under contract. And so I'm gonna just take off this, uh, this who I am hat and put on the what I'm doing hat and I'll tell a couple white lies, get the contract sold, and then switch back onto my faith hat. I just can't live in that bifurcated life. And I've worked with a lot of people in the past who've had these faith backgrounds. Um, and they were in leadership, and I'd see them put on a hat when needed, but take it off when they didn't need it, or when they needed to lie to get something under contract. Or they needed to bend the truth, because that's what sales is about. And I've always wrestled with this, because that bifurcation just... Oh, it just grated at me. I felt like a phony. I felt like I felt like an actor. I felt like bipolar in the sense of my identity and who I claim to be and what I want to be like and how I want my virtues to appear in my life and how I want that to rule my world 
have to be compromised to make sales? No, like there's got to be a better way to do this. And I worked in many different companies uh, and I held my convictions and and that's always been not a good pairing because they always run me out or fire me. And I always wondered if there was another way around this or is the only way to work for yourself, which is freeing, but you're always in a hustle mode. And I've attempted to kiss that frog in each job situation and hope that it would be turned into a prince S. And I'm at this point in my life of seeing that I'm not certain it can be done anymore because I kissed a frog on my last uh, endeavor, employment endeavor, and it turned out to be another frog. And this was the last straw. And um, and so this week I want to share a story of what happened. And, um, you know, it's something I really value myself. Like, I'm not happy with who I am usually. On Enneagram 4, things can get better. Things should be better. I should be a better human. I'm not satisfied. This could be done different. And so this week I want to share a story of what happened and to uh, protect legal interests, I should say, I need to say um, that I'm not going to use names and this might be a fictitious story and the characters might just be fictitious, but you guys know what's going on. So I'm going to just say that I'm going to share a story that was really meaningful to me and... Yeah, I'll let you figure out what that means for you. Okay, so let's imagine this. Let's imagine that you go to work for a company and it seems like a good fit because every first date has the potential to be exciting and it's all fun and games until you move in with them and you find out, gosh, this person stinks or this person doesn't do the dishes or this person's dirty So you go to work for a company that puts you in a position and they love you and you start managing people and clients and you've got projects and expectations and you grow that company a lot. You get new clients, you bring in hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue and yet you take heat all the time because this is a management role and that comes with the territory. Sometimes you got to take bullets. Sometimes you take bullets to protect your team. Sometimes you take bullets because your team screwed up and the client's very angry and sometimes The client just is dealing with their own crap and you are the easiest target. And so you just let them unleash on you to keep happy. And, and meanwhile, your whole like life is just your, your morale is being slowly chipped away because you are a punching bag for someone else's personal benefit. Someone else that's making a lot more money than you are. Okay. So, um, yeah. Okay. So you take this heat in this management role, and it comes with the territory, and that's kind of part of the job. And then let's just say you have a rich young ruler that is in authority. I like that phrase. It's the teaching of Jesus. And the teaching of Jesus there is really kind of cool. If you get bored, just Google the rich young ruler, and you'll find some stuff. But let's just say you have a, a rich young ruler who's, who's the man behind the curtains at this organization, just, you know, tinkering and... and uh, ruling, you know, like starting to share these decrees and this is what's going to happen. We're going to do this and this and this. Um, But you have an obligation as a manager to protect staff. You have a a manager's obligation to, to shield the clients from all the internal messes. You've got an, you've got a obligation to hold this tension and these new rollouts and try to puncture holes in them to make sure like this, this uh, change can be tested 
this is a seafarer like this is a this is a, a a ship worthy for faring the seas and we've punctured some holes in it and you know we've tried to break it and it won't and it's ready for the ocean so that's kind of part of manager's job and part of your job is to question those systems because there's a lot of people sitting in offices in leadership that are making plans but don't know what the boots on the ground are experiencing so when i was working in the church let me give you a similar analogy there's a couple authors that wrote some really groundbreaking books for church leaders except these authors were not serving in a local church and so they're sitting at a desk writing out their fairy tale of what they think should work and how easy it should be and then you've got these young church leaders that are you know, full of, uh, of spit and vinegar and ready to take on the world and win the world over. And they're trying out these principles and finding out they're not working. Why? Because they'd never been tested. Good managers test that before you put the burden on, on those downstream, the staff downstream, the clients downstream. So you have an obligation to protect these clients. You have an obligation to question these systems because there's a lot of, of, of systems being rolled out that we're done with zero clue as to how it's going to affect downstream. Now, imagine your job changes a million times, and so does your responsibilities, and so do the pay cuts, because, yeah, things are tight, and so you're going to have to work a little harder and make a little bit less money. Eh, Something's going on there. And so you bring on new accounts, new contracts, new systems, and then you start to burn out, and you start expressing that you're burning out and that you're on fumes and you're bold about it for a long time and there's no relief because yep that's just the crazy season of life we're in it's a crazy season of the business and imagine that the staff that you're responsible to protect because you actually work day in and day out with each one of them start coming to you and saying the same thing and they start saying we're burning out we have short fuses with one another we're redlining we are falling apart and would you please listen and you try to take that up to a a leadership structure that would hopefully hear the cries of those downstream that are making hardly enough to pay their bills they're definitely not living a cush life i'll say that yeah so imagine that's happening and that's not seriously considered as well because why would it stress you out if it doesn't bother you of course if it if it disrupts the potential for the business growing that would be a cause for attention, but if it's just like, yeah, we're busy, yeah, can you see what I'm saying? Like, you're burning out, the people around you that you're, you're, you're paid to protect are burning out, and no one is hearing the cries. Um, so then you start growing frustrated and upset, and you start feeling trapped, and then you keep expressing your burnout, and it gets worse and worse, and then you get, well, the only way we're going to grow this thing is we need to get more, more, more. And then start thing, and then things start breaking apart. Uh, because in excitement, you build a ship that's not ready for the sea, and then you start getting asked to say and do things that are just not true in order to patch that ship and to buy us some time before we sink. And imagine those are things that are integrity issues that you've got some strong convictions about. And so, you see how this is more than just doing the work. This is actually like eating away at your essence, at who you are, at your heart. It's a, it's a numbing of your convictions. It's, it's a dumbing down of the senses of integrity that you do have. And then imagine that you have a great review. And sure, there's things to work on, but man, what if you're told this is the place for you? 
You're a family. You're part of our family. We want you here. You belong here. And then, two weeks later, you're let go without cause because you're protecting the team and the clients. Yeah, but your insecurities actually see that as a threat to you and make it about you not being respected because you don't like being told no because life hasn't kicked your butt enough. So you, um, it's easier to silence that. And all this belong, believe, loved, family talk is completely washed away and you see it for what it is. And that point is when you recognize that you kissed a frog and that thing is just a damn frog. Yeah. Expectations are a big part of this. Side note, if you're serving alongside a leader like this, whether it be in a religious setting or a work setting or a neighborhood dynamic or a friendship dynamic or a board of directors, yeah, leave. Because the only thing that's worse than serving a leader that won't listen is serving an insecure leader that won't listen. And I guarantee you that's not going to end well. And it's not going to be worth the emotional toil of having to sit under that leadership until something buckles because it will eventually buckle. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, okay. So let's keep going with this. Let's just keep playing this little story out. Okay. So you're let go without cause because you don't like being told no. Uh, and it's frustrating and you know, and then You don't get to talk to the staff and you're essentially gag ordered not to talk to the clients who are actually friends because you've signed them. You worked on that relationship. You worked with them personally day in, day out for a year. And though the company gets to benefit hundreds of thousands of dollars off of your hard work, they're trying to gag order you not to talk to them. Do you see how that feels like a, a grabbing of authority? It's a feeding the system by using you to cushion something else that you have no control over. And as soon as that bigger system decides that they're done, they kick you out and they still reap the rewards of your work. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you're gag ordered not to talk, even though the company's benefiting or the organization or the, the church is benefiting hundreds of thousands of dollars off your hard work, built off the back of slave labor. And then... Um, And then you start noticing, because you don't get to say anything, you start hearing who really is your friend. You start hearing those people whose lives actually go beyond the nine to five. And they start telling you what's really going on. And you start finding out that those people that you thought were your friends lied. And you start finding out that the thing that you clarified a few minutes ago, not to be a lie with the person who just fired you, is actually using that and fake crying to turn it into uh, empathy to get the team to side with your side of the story because they get to control the narrative because people in power always write the narrative and they silence those on the bottom end of the system. This is what Jesus was about. Jesus was saying, there are empires and you will always get the narrative that the empire wants you to get. But go talk to those slaves. Go talk to those with the stones on their back building these empires. And they're the ones that deserve the voice. And that's what Jesus gave his life for. And so so then you get together and you start hearing your real friends saying, Oh, by the way, yeah, there's a lot of not truths coming out here. 
You know those, you know those two girls that are bad-mouthing you? Yeah. The girls that you fought on their behalf without them knowing to give them a voice or to keep them in getting fired because of their mess-ups and, the, and then they turn on you. And you go to see that this is a tough and vicious, vicious world. And it reminded me of a story of a mother who came to Jesus about her two sons. And uh, it comes from the um, ancient Christian text of the book of Matthew, chapter 20. And it says, a mother comes to Jesus um, and says, I want you to guarantee me one thing. I want one of my sons on your left and one on the right, which is a sign of authority. Like, yeah, hey, President Biden, can you just guarantee me that two of my two boys will have a place in your cabinet? That's essentially what this is like. And Jesus responds and he says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise their authority over them. Instead, that's not, that's not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And what this woman was wanting was a fast pass for kids to have authority and power. And Jesus points to that government structure and says, yeah, they exercise authority over people, but the way to do it right is to actually serve folks. And here's what I began to notice. Here's a couple leadership lessons that I'd like to share with you on this simple uh, frog kissing episode. Number one, the people in power always get to control the narrative. And if they want to shut you up, they will. And they'll use their power, like, like Jesus says, like the, uh, like the Gentiles, they'll lo- use it to lord over you and exercise their authority over you. It's bullying tactics. And people in power always get to control the narrative. You want a good like um, modern cultural narration of this? Watch the, the uh, morning show on Apple TV. Yeah, people in power always get to control that narrative. Something else I learned is leadership is a title earned, but not a position grabbed. Because so many people want to be great leaders. But it's not, it's not a, it's something that's bestowed upon you. Now, you can be given that title, but you're going to rule oppressively, like Jesus said about the Gentiles. Leadership is like actually fighting for those who have no voice or who have a lesser voice or the ones who are actually feeling the downstream trickle effects of what leadership up top decisions are making. You want to be a great leader? Get the boots on the ground. Hear what your team says. Hear what those around you are actually saying. When they're saying they're tired and they're fighting, fight for that. When they're saying they're burnt out, listen and try to fix it. Don't just keep burning them out because you know you'll find another one to keep building your empire. That is not leadership. That is bullying. That is slave master techniques. Here's something else I learned. A title can give you authority, but characters formed in the fire. You you skate to the top too quickly. It all falls, falls apart. You know, I remember being in the music business and there was a band, I won't say the name, that is essentially, they're huge, or they were huge, um... And the reason they got huge so fast was they were all children of record label executives. And so what happened was, coincidentally, they started on the top. They started with arena tours. They never slummed around in bars and like had to load in their own gear on a 15-passenger van and eat 
you know, 99 cent tacos at Jack in the Box while they drove through the night to the next gig for four people. Yeah, and and their staff knows that and their staff are treated terribly. Why? Because their leadership doesn't know what it's like. So a title can give you that authority and it will give you authority and people will obey and respect that authority simply by title. But you can be an authoritative leader with no character. Because character's formed in the dark times. Character's formed when you're lifting those below you up above you. That's where character happens. Something else I learned. Uh, business. Yeah, it always feeds on the systems. It feeds the systems that are always fueled by humans too. I remember like even a few months ago in a job situation I had. Just going like, hey, I know you might do all this work and get no no commission, but... Just think about it for the system. The system needs it. The structure needs it. Think about like we get to pay everyone's bills. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm doing the work with no pay for myself and actually cut pay because the system is hungry and it devours human beings. And, and, and those in power, those who start and built the empire are going to protect it at all costs. And if it, if it consumes humans, because that's how you feed the structure, their job is going to try to find humans and treat them as less than human and blow through them and, and, and uh, you know, chew them up, spit them out, because guess what? We'll find another one. So just know, systems always require being fueled, and it's always fueled by humans. Something else I learned. I'm going to just start getting through these because I've got a lot still. Um, I'm just going to give you these bullet points, and you can write them down or email me, and I'll send you a list of them. Um, ivory towers at times cause leaders to be out of touch with the needs and cares of the workers building their empires. So you've got CEOs of, of major wide airlines that are making decisions about how it affects gate agents in Milwaukee. Yeah, right. They don't think about that. They might hear the bitching and moaning eventually, but you know, you silence it enough or throw an extra dollar an hour, no cost to you. Yeah, the ivory towers keep leaders blinded from the needs and cares of the workers that are actually building their castles. And authority can rule with force, but it's so demeaning to people. It reminds me of an old proverb from the book of Proverbs, chapter 28. It says, a ruler who lacks understanding is a cruel oppressor, but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. And my question is, how many of you have been led by a cruel oppressor? Most of us. Something else I learned. You can lead via lying and deceit and fear, or you can lead with grace and serving and caring for others and considering the lowly. Similar to how, like, build a house on sand or on concrete, but, like, they'll both be able to house a home for a little while, but one's going to last a lot longer. And lying and deceit and fear is going to catch up with you. So just be a decent human. The truth will come out eventually. I'm learning that now. I no longer work for this company, and, uh, or this organization, or this religious institution, or whatever it might be. And I'm hearing people now that are real good friends that have, have crossed the lines of business going, Heath, we, okay, we had a business relationship, but, but out of that grew a deep personal friendship. And I'm just getting this email and it's not reading right. And I know you, can you, can I, I'm going to call you and have you clarify some stuff. And the truth eventually does get out if you're willing, but it's really hard to cut through the narrative being set by those in power, especially when you're being gag ordered not to talk yeah 
give the people on the bottom of the side of the system a, a moment. That's a good thing. Serve leaders something else that will fight for you and your well-being. Another, another interesting proverb from the ancient Christian text is uh, from Proverbs 11. And it says, where there's no guidance, people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there's safety. So when you have things moving here every few minutes, knew this, we're doing this forum, we're now not doing this, now you got to do this this way, now we're doing this, now we're stopping this, now we're doing this, now we're forming a new team, now we're closing down this team, now we're changing leadership, now we're doing this. Yeah, when there's no guidance, people start to fail. Another translation is, when there's no vision, people perish. Like people's souls die when they're not working towards something common that they know what that looks like. So serve leaders that'll fight for you and your well-being, that care. Not just say they care, but actually prove it. Because that's important. Liza, the other thing, the last thing I would say is like, lies will get you ahead here and there, but they're going to catch up to you. And I've seen a lot of great businesses started, and they actually run for, for a time, built off of lies. Or a really good salesperson. I've worked for so many employers where like, I'm like, you have, you're just good at lying and getting people into contract. And that's probably how you started the company. But as far as running a company, geez, you don't have a clue. Yeah. Yeah. Truth will come out. So here's how I want to encourage you. You, as we close, have one life to live. And this life is rapidly hurling towards your expiration date. And it's coming faster than you can think. And no job, no position on a board, no church, no this or that is worth losing your integrity and happiness for. It's just not worth it. Because unless you're at the, unless you're at the top of the org chart, you're going to have a narrative written about you. And it's going to be written by people at the top. And it's going to come out exactly how they want it to come out with no consideration for you or your side of the story or your truth at all. And that's how power works. It will silence you. It'll shut you up. And it'll replace you tomorrow without skipping a beat. And that is all you end up becoming to people. Is a product to get them more of what they want. And so I would say protect your heart. Proverbs 4, beautiful line. Like this just, religious or not, these Proverbs are so good. And in Proverbs 4 it says, keep your heart, fight for your heart with all vigilance, because out of it flows the springs of life. So if you want to live, fight for your heart. Pay attention to what's going on there. When you're asked to do something that compromises a value or your integrity, don't just like, yeah, maybe I'll have to do that. No, push up against that. Fight for your heart with all vigilance because it, because from it flows the mountain of life, the springs of life. Don't compromise who you are. And I would just say as an encouragement, if you're feeling that now is a time to make a move, just, just consider that it might be. Don't be scared. And don't be like, don't put up with the system. Don't let your soul be grinded down by something that is just a job or just a title or just a affinity group or just a club that you're part of. It's not worth it. And I can say that on this side. Of, I mean, yeah, I, I, again, things changed a couple days ago for me and I am happier than ever. Why? Well, because my true friends are showing up. My true friends are saying, hey, 
I heard a narrative written about you that I know is not true. And when you're able to expose that and justify, like, there's life there. But don't be scared to make a move if you need to. There are many of us that have done this before. And it's so much better on this end because you sleep better knowing you're, you're holding your integrity and your values in check. And you're not compromising who you are to please somebody who doesn't care about you so they can write you a check to go to, you know, grocery store and pay your bills. There are other ways to do it. There are ways to do it and to be happy. And it's so much better on this end. And you're going to be more than okay because we all are. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Heath in Pursuit podcast. We look forward to being back with you next week. For more information on the various works of Heath Hollandsby, please visit heathinpursuit.com.